0: So this morning I want to talk to you from the title, What's Love Got to Do? <laughs> Try not to burst into a bit of Tina Turner. And, uh, and, and this message is, is kind of born out of, um, of wanting to go a bit deeper into what I feel the purpose is for our local church. And, I, and I'll share that shortly, but, but don't get hung up on that because it's not just about Hope Church, Lytham and our purpose, but it's very much applicable to each and every one of our lives and the purpose and the plans that God's got for us. Do you believe this morning that you've been called by God for a purpose? If you don't believe that, you're wrong. You have been called for a purpose. You are here for a reason. You have been placed here for a reason and God has equipped you. He has given you the gifts and the talents and abilities that you need to do exactly what he wants you to do. And so we are called as individuals but we're also called as a church. And I very much believe and I've shared this over the past few weeks that that Hope Church Lytham is called to be a church that is needed in our community. A church that is needed in our community. And so it's it's vital that that us as a church play our part so that we can help and support the well-being of Lytham Santance of the community that God's placed us within. And, And actually to get to a point where if we were removed from the equation, if, if someone were to blow up Hope Church, Lytham and all of the people within it, if, or, or if God were to take us home, then actually there would be a gap in the community and that, and that Lytham St. Tams would be lacking something because we weren't there doing the work that we're doing. So that's kind of the, the, the target. That's the purpose. That's what God has spoken to me to say that's who we need to be as a church. But where did that idea come from? Well, obviously, God spoke it into my heart. It was something that that I felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to that we were to live out. But but is it biblical? Is it grounded in Scripture? Because it's important to, to check that, that our vision and our purpose and our plans are grounded in Scripture. And the simple answer to that question is yes, it is. Amen. Um, but we're going to dig a little bit into that this morning and just uh, bring some clarity around that. So if we're to become a church that is is needed by our community is needed in our community we need to know where to start what does that look like because actually when we hear a vision and a purpose like that then actually it can be quite daunting because it's a pretty it's a pretty big vision it's something that actually if we were to go well look at us now we're nowhere near doing that so Maybe we just want to dismiss it straight off the bat because there's no way we could ever achieve what it is that you're saying, John. But actually, I believe that we can. So, so what is it that we're declaring over our church? What is it that we're declaring over our church? And I believe that actually in its simplest form, it's a response and an answer to the two great commandments. In Matthew 22, verses 34 to 40, it says this. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced, that's Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depends all the law And the prophets. So, what Jesus is saying here is that everything that is written down in the law of Moses and everything that was spoken out by the prophets is fulfilled by these two simple statements to love God and to love others. To love God and to love others. So, if we're to become a place of hope and and support to our community, we first need to love God. And then it's out of that love for God that we can then go out and love others, that we can go out and love on our community. And so the flow of thinking goes like this. In order to become all that we need to be as a church, and in order to become all that you need to be as an individual living out your life for God, we need to look more like Jesus. We need to look more like Jesus. We need to become like him. So what is it that Jesus looks like? How do we become like Jesus? What, is, what does he look like? In Hebrews 1 verse 3, it says, he is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by, his, by the power of his word. So in order to fulfill the vision and the purpose of our lives and of this church, we need to look more like Jesus because he was the example given to us by God in, in order to live out our lives. If we look like Jesus, then, then we're doing things right. And so what does Jesus look like? Well, Jesus is an exact imprint of the nature and the character of God. So in order to fulfill our vision and our purpose, we need to look like Jesus. And what does Jesus look like? Well, he looks like his father. You know, he said um, when he was fa- he was lost by his parents as a, as a teenager and they and they came finding him and they found him in the temple and he was like well of course i'm in the temple i've i've got to be about my father's business i've got to be in my father's house because he was all about living life uh, like his father was instructing and then later on he goes on to say i only do what i see the father doing you see jesus didn't do he didn't carry out his agenda as a in his his human self, he he was carrying out the Father's agenda. He was living out the things that God, his Father, had called him to be and to do. So if we're to, to kind of fulfill this vision, if we're to get anywhere close to achieving what it is that God's calling us to be, we need to look like Jesus. We need to sound like Jesus. We need to be more like Jesus. And Jesus looks like God. So then that begs the question, what does God look like? What does God look like? And in 1 John chapter 4, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. God is love. So the quick route from how do we do this is we just need to be love." But the kind of circle, if you can picture it like that, is we need to look like Jesus, who looks like God, who is love. And that helps us to fulfill our purpose. We need to be love. We need to be love in action. If any of you have ever read the Bob Goff book, he he titled his book, Love Does... Because love is a doing word. It's not, it's not just something we are, it's something we do. It's something we have to live out. It's something that we have to, have to put into action. So we need to become love in order to fulfill our calling, in order to fulfill our purpose, in order to fulfill the vision that God's placed on our lives. So what is love? What is love? Well, let's start with a, with a wedding favorite. This verse is often read out at, at weddings to describe what, what love is. In fact, funny story, I, uh, a good friend of mine from uni asked me to, uh, to read this passage of scripture at his wedding. And it was, it was down uh, down south in the, in the country somewhere in this very old style looking church. And it was a beautiful setting, glorious sunny day. Um, and so I got to the church early just to figure out what was what. And the, the vicar said to me, just make sure your mobile phone's off. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's just what they all say, isn't it? Because, you know, the older people kind of expect you to turn your phone off. I'm like, well, just flick it to silent because that's fine, isn't it? It's not going to go off. So I flicked it to silent. My phone didn't go off during the service, thank goodness. But I got up to do my reading and I was two verses in and then I just heard this and my phone was interfering with the signal from the microphone to the back sound desk. And I was in flow then, already given, given the scripture, so I was like, well, I know this is going on, and I know it's my fault, because my phone's in my pocket, but there's nothing I can do about it. So I just pressed on, and you could kind of see everyone's faces going, what? <laughs> what is this? In hindsight, I should have just stopped, made a bit of a joke about the fact that it was my phone, and started all over again, but uh, I wasn't quite as confident back then. <laughs> so uh, anyway, let me read this portion of scripture to you. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor, and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but If I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. What an incredible picture of what love really is, and indeed what it isn't. Now, I love my wife and I love my kids, but if I'm totally honest with you, I'm not sure that the love that I have quite lives up to what Paul is writing here. I don't know if that's just me, or if maybe some of you out there can 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 recognise some of that in your own lives. But you know, I ask my qu- I ask myself, am I, am I patient? Um, after the seventh time of telling Toby to get his shoes on? Am I patient? Am I kind in the way I, I ask them for the 400th time to just eat nicely? And when we sit down to watch a movie as a family, do I let them choose Despicable Me for the 4,000th time? Or do I try to guide them to something I might enjoy myself? Or, you know, when I when I ask them to do something, do I... And, and they don't do it. Do I just pretend like that's the first time they've not done this thing? Or do I remind them of the, the times before when you've not done this thing? You know, I, I don't think it's just me, is it? We just don't quite measure up to this, this picture of what love feels like. I don't measure up and it, it leaves me wanting because I want to be this picture of love that Paul's describing because it, it sounds beautiful. It sounds fantastic, and if only we could attain to to living out this in our own lives, how great life would be, yeah? If we could only achieve what this looks like. I don't know about you, but we're called to be love. We've been called by God to be love, and yet this description of love, it, it challenges me it makes me want to step up it makes me want to up my game it makes me want to be the best version of me that i can be so i can even try to, to try to measure up to this picture of love even you know 10% so we try don't we we try and and i don't know it might almost make you feel a bit discouraged when you read something like this because We're so far away from that, if we're honest, aren't we? We're we're definitely not living up to this standard. And so we can feel a bit downhearted and a bit, oh, okay, well, that's where I'm supposed to be, but I'm really, really not doing okay on that scale. But let me encourage you this morning. We can love like this. We can love like this, just not in our own strength. We can love like this, not in our own strength, but in his. You see, the same power that lived in Jesus and enabled him to love like this, that same power lives within us. When we accept Jesus into our lives and we, and we repent of all our sins and we, we ask his Holy Spirit to come and live within us, that spirit, the same spirit that lived in Jesus lives within us and can enable us and equip us in order to live out and love like this. So we can do it just not in our own strength, and that's where I think most of us mess up. You see, Jesus set the perfect example of how to love, didn't he? He set a perfect example of how to love and who to love, and we're gonna come on to that in later weeks, looking at the idea of, of who to love and, and practically how to, how to go about living that out. But as I was prepping for this morning's message, I got this picture of love. I got this picture in my, in my mind's eye of, 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 of Jesus, basically, and, and what we need to be in order to live out love in this way. And it was a picture of a man in overalls. It was a picture of a man in overalls. You see, we're heirs to the throne of God. Each and every one of us is an heir to the throne of God. We're sons and daughters of the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the maker of the heavens and the earth. And we are royalty. We've got crowns waiting for us. In, in the Bible, it talks about how one day we'll receive a crown of life and a crown of glory and a, and a crown of righteousness. But Jesus came down to earth and he chose to, to trade in his crown. For some overalls. You see, when he made the, the decision to come down to earth, he took off his crown. And he dressed himself in overalls and he rolled up his sleeves and he got ready to get stuck in. Because that's what love is. That's how love lives in action. It's this idea of living a servant-hearted love. Living out from a place of servanthood. And he lived out that. Jesus lived out that in everything he did, from the very beginning of his ministry all the way to the end. He lived a life of servanthood. You know, Jesus' miracle. I'm sure many of us know it. It happened before he was kind of ready to to get stuck into doing his ministry. I mean, not before he was ready. He was obviously ready for everything, but before his time had come, he said, um, "This happened." And And it's this, uh, it happened at the wedding and he turned water into wine. I'm sure many of us know it. Maybe even we've tried it ourselves. And uh, I've not managed it quite yet, but I'll keep trying. And in this picture, he's at the wedding and and, and his mother says to him, Jesus, Jesus, I can almost imagine him. He was having a conversation and and she was maybe with her friends and she shouts over, Jesus, Jesus, they've run out of wine. Can you help them out? He's like, mom, I'm with my friends. I'm just... I'm just having a good time. I'm not supposed to be getting involved in stuff just yet. In fact, it says in scripture, he says, woman, what's this got to do with me? It says in one of the translations. <laughs> like, how rude is that? Woman, don't get me involved in that stuff. I'm busy. I'm sure that's not how he said it. <laughs> but she ignores his moaning and his, his kind of saying no to her and saying that's not for me. And she instructs the servants, go and grab some, some jugs and and just do whatever he says and so obediently even though he didn't think it was it was time for him to be getting involved out of a place of obedience and servanthood he carried out his first miracle and he turned water into the best wine they'd ever tasted and so he demonstrated this servant-hearted attitude, this servant-hearted love from the very outset of his ministry on earth. And and he did it all the way through scriptures, you know, just read the gospels and you'll see time and time again where Jesus lives from a place of servanthood, from this servant heart that he just wants to do whatever he can to, to help others and to love others and to serve in whatever way he can. And then as he was coming to the end of his time on earth, he gave the disciples just one final example to remind them of this this important attribute of love, to live from a place of servant-heartedness. And it's in John 13. It was just before the Passover meal, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So they sat down for the the Passover meal. They're about to share this, this meal together. And then in verse four, it says, so he got up From the meal, and he took off his outer clothing and then he he wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. And now here, Peter gets a little bit carried away, and, and he tries to stop Jesus from doing, no, I'm not worthy to have you, because he recognized who Jesus was. And he recognized that actually, Jesus should have been wearing a crown. And so he says, no, I'm not worthy to have you wash my feet. And so Jesus explains to him, well, that's not what's happening here. I'm, I'm, here, to, I'm here to serve you. And it almost felt to me a little bit like a picture of The Apprentice boardroom. I don't know if any of you are watching The Apprentice. It's back on telly right now. And it's, it's kind of that summary point at the end where there's just three of them left in the boardroom. And Alan Sugar's doing his summary before he fires someone. And you know that they shouldn't talk during this moment. It's like, just get through these next two minutes without saying a word and you might be okay. But if you speak up, you might get fired. So just zip it for a second and let him do his thing. And yet, time and time again, they just, oh, but, and they try to argue the point. I'm, I'm shouting at the telly going, just shut up. Just let him do his thing. You might be safe. And so Peter's here and he's, he, he's ready to, for, for Jesus to just kind of summarize the way that we should be living life and the way that we should go about loving other people. And, and Jesus is doing this, this kind of summary action. And Peter starts to speak up. No, no, but this is not what should be happening And Jesus is just like, no, let me do this. Let me show you how you should love. And then it says in verse 12, when he'd finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You see, Jesus came to serve, not to be served. Jesus came wearing overalls, not a crown. He came to love others in a way that was full of servanthood and so we in order to realize our potential in, in order to to live out the vision and the purpose and the calling that God's put on our lives we need to look more like Jesus who looks like the perfect imprint of God's character and he is love and love is servant-hearted so we need to live out servant-hearted lives and loving a servant heart living a servant hearted life, it means putting others first. It means not letting position or status or superior quality or skills stop us from serving others. You see, servants don't seek status, they display humility. They don't seek status, they display humility. It means not putting our own needs above others. It means taking a step back. It means not being self-serving, but being submissive for the sake of the kingdom. We need to take a step back from our own agendas and start to put others first. We need to step back from our own ambitions sometimes and start to serve other people's ambition. We need to step back from seeking out applause and serve to build others up and help them to reach their potential in Christ. You see, there's so much throughout Jesus' life and scripture that that points to what love looks like. Love is patient, love is kind, love is servant hearted in nature. But there's one other attribute that I just want to highlight to us this morning, and I'm, I'm sure most of us know this verse, John three sixteen. For for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You see, this is an example of sacrificial love. You see, Jesus came not wearing a crown, but, but wearing overalls so that he could get stuck in and he could serve wherever he could serve, wherever there was possibility for him to serve. He would roll up his sleeves and get stuck in to, to do what God had called him to do during his short time on this earth. But it was all leading to that one final act of sacrificial love where he would take on our sins even before we committed them. Where he would, knowing the lives that we were going to live in the future, he would become that sacrificial lamb so that we don't have to take on the punishment for what we do wrong. Because he did it for us. He went to that place of darkness so that we never have to. He lived out this life of perfect sacrifice. But that life and that truth hits home a little later on. In 1 John 3.16, where it says this, By this we know love, that Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. And then in John 15, it says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You see, Jesus lived out this life of perfect sacrificial love but it didn't end there because he was still being an example of how we should live he didn't make that sacrifice so that we would never have to sacrifice ourselves in fact he made that sacrifice of it as an example of exactly how we should live we should live a life of sacrifice we should be willing to lay down our lives for our brothers, for our sisters, for our friends, for our family. It was a perfect example of how we should live. You see, everything that we've talked about this morning, it, it points towards two truths. And The first one is, we are loved. You see, God loves us so much that he sent his son to stand in that place for us so that we don't need to die, but we can have an everlasting life in him and we can live in eternity in heaven in relationship with our heavenly father all because his son came down to die for us. We can have that perfect everlasting life because we are loved. And the reason that he demonstrated that love in so many ways is so that we can be love. You see, we are loved so that we can love. We are loved so that we can love. And God's saying to you this morning, I love you. I love you so much. I love you in spite of everything that you've done wrong. I love you even though you messed up this week. I love you even though you did that thing way back when. I love you, I love you, I love you. Now go and love others. Don't keep it all to yourself. Let it pour out into those around you. You see, God loves us so much. Much that he just pours out his love into us and we're like this glass that is full to the brim of love and he just keeps on pouring in his love and it's just flowing out of us. Not so that it can make a mess all over the floor, but so that those around us will be hit by God's love because of how much he loves us. We are not loved so that we can be loved. We're loved so that we can love others know this morning that you are loved more than anything in the world he loves you the bible says that even before you were formed in your mother's womb he knew everything about you i said at the very beginning of this message that we're all called we all have a purpose god has a plan for each and every one of us here this morning and he created that plan even before we were a twinkle in our father's eyes he loves you so much that he was willing to send his son to die for you. You are loved this morning. You are loved. You know, I, I think that maybe some of us just haven't quite grasped the fullness of that. And so maybe I'm laboring the point, but it's for a reason this morning, because we need to know this right in the core of our beings. We are loved. You're loved this morning beyond Measure, beyond anything that you can imagine. Whatever you picture love to be, it's greater than that. That description that Paul gave in 2 Corinthians, that is the love that God has for you. A love that is patient, a love that is kind, a love that puts your needs above his. A love that is servant-hearted, a love that is sacrificial. That is how much We are loved this morning. So let that impact the way that we live. So I pray this morning that we we grasp hold of that truth that we are loved so that we can love others, so that we can live a life of love in action. Love does. I love that phrase, love does. Why don't we pray this morning? Father God, we just thank you so much for the, the love that you have for us. And I just pray that that even now that you'll begin to just nudge us within our soul and our spirit to, to really grasp hold of the, the reality and the truth of just how much you love us with this perfect love, with this servant-hearted love, with this sacrificial love that was willing to die for us. And I pray that the truth of that hits home so much that that we don't keep it for ourselves, that we just want to love on others. And so I pray that for us as individuals, and I pray that for us as a church community, that that we can let that love impact us so much that we can leave this place with with nothing else but wanting to love on other people. And not letting any barriers get in the way of that. Oh, this person doesn't look like someone I want to love on. Love them anyway. This person annoyed me last week Love them anyway. This person did me such deep harm. Love them anyway. Love others because you are loved. Thank you, Jesus, for your help in this. Thank you that that by your Holy Spirit, we can live out this life of love, that it almost seems unachievable in our own strength, but we don't need to strive to be like that on our own because you're with us every step of the way, helping us to love like you loved us. Amen.